Welcome to Just Another Pinball Podcast featuring Canada as your host. This is episode 485 of Canada's Pinball Podcast, and we're going to talk to Jerry Stellenberg today about online play. So today, Jerry announced that for the first time in modern pinball history, we have pinball experiences that can be played online. You can play one game against another, and I still, to this day, can't believe we are in 2020. And we are talking about online pinball play as a revolutionary thing that hasn't been brought to market before. It's crazy to me that all of these boutique companies are the ones that are really pushing the pinball innovation, if you ask me. I mean, online play is happening at P3 Multimorphic. Why isn't it happening at JJP? Why isn't it happening at Stern? Spooky Pinball's figured out how to create play fields that don't crater. Why isn't that happening at the other big manufacturers? So I think the answer is pretty simple, and you're going to hear us talk about it, is when you're selling a ton of stuff, you don't really need to innovate. And so pinball has pretty much stayed the same for a very long time. And for many of you out there, that's good enough. For some of you out there, you want to see new stuff happen. And so that's why I think we're excited to see what Deep Root does. We're excited to see what new companies do in pinball, because we do want to see people explore the possibilities of what pinball can be and the possibilities of how we could enjoy pinball in new ways and with different variety. Now, before I air this interview, some good news. Spooky Pinball is back in business and I got the note today that my Rick and Morty machine number 50 with a butter cabinet is ready to be invoiced and it is ready to be shipped and it is inside a box. Woohoo, mother effers. I am so excited that I can finally put a pinball machine back into my apartment. I can finally be a legitimate pinball podcast again. After all the criticisms that the world's number one show is hypocritical because the man himself does not have a pinball machine. So here's the thing. I'm working with my building management company this week to see if it's okay for me to accept the delivery of this game. And so I really hope we can do it. I can't wait to pay Spooky for this game. And I have to say this, I have to say this, Spooky Pinball throughout this entire experience has been the most amazing pinball company to work with. And especially Morgan over there. If you've ever dealt with Spooky Pinball, and I haven't dealt with them on a sales level before. I've, I've critiqued their games, I've talked about them on my show, but I was a customer. And my interactions with them, I have to say this, has been the greatest interactions I've ever had with a pinball company. They immediately get back to your emails. They go over the moon to accommodate whatever you may need and whatever questions you may have. And it's unbelievable. My situation is not the easiest one for them to figure out, but they're, they're so they're so accommodating to me. They say, Chris, we'll, we'll hold on to the game until you can get it. We, we can You can pay us when you're ready. We know the situation you're in. So I have to say, I've never dealt with a company that just makes it feel this good to buy from them. And I want to say, Spooky Pinball, not only do you have a home run theme, but you really are treating customers in a way that I don't think they're getting from any other manufacturer out there. And I mean that. I don't think there's any other manufacturer out there that has the customer service and the personal touch that Spooky Pinball brings to the table. So I really, really can't wait to take possession of this game. And no, I'm not flipping the game. 
you people out there, I have a heart and I want this game. This isn't like, this isn't like, uh, you know, I'm just not flipping it because I don't want to say, you know, screw you guys for giving me an early number. No, I really love this game. I played it. I love it. I think those of you who get it are going to love it as well. And I will review it objectively when I do get it. You know me. I don't hold back. Okay, let's talk to Jerry about online play. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's kind of crazy that it is May of 2020, and we're going to be talking about internet connectivity in pinball for the first time, I think, when it comes to gameplay, thanks to Mr. Jerry Stellenberg of P3 Multimorphic. Jerry, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. Thank you. Now, Jerry, why is it taking so long to get internet connectivity play into pinball? I got the announcement today. So a uh, couple things there. One, we've had inter- well, we've had network connectivity for a few years now with Heads Up and Cosmic Kart Racing playing local games, but the internet connectivity, playing against people over the internet, is in fact new. And the reason for that is because I assume most people think pinball is a physical game that you just play between you and the machine. And that debate rages on, right? Does it make sense to link up two games around the world and what, what are your, I mean, obviously your thoughts are yes on that. What do you say to the skeptics who say that that's not really how pinball should be played? <laughs> well, ultimately, my goal is just to come up with new ways or fun ways for people to play pinball to experience these games together. I don't really care if certain people don't see value in it. They just simply won't play it. But we've come up with some games with a platform with a game like CCR or Heads Up where it just makes sense to try to compete against somebody else. And for me, in sports or in all of my social activities, I just love competition. I love comparing myself to somebody else. You can do that locally on a pinball machine, or if you're by yourself on your machine, why not connect to someone else and see who can do better? I mean, I couldn't agree more when it comes to gaming and online play. I tell people this all the time. I actually enjoy playing Xbox more than pinball. And it doesn't mean I don't love both of them. It's just, it's fun to know there's some other human being on the other end of the game I'm playing. So talk to me about the announcement today that P3 Multimorphic is flipping the switch and allowing people who have cosmic kart racing, correct, to play over the internet? Yes, that's right. And like I said, we've been working on network connectivity, linked games for a long time now. We've allowed our customers to Mostly it shows because not many people have multiple P3s, but it shows people could walk up and get on multiple P3s and play against each other. Um, This announcement today is the announcement for full internet connectivity, meaning I, with my P3 sitting here in my living room, can log on to Cosmic Kart Racing, ask it who's out there who wants to play against me, set up sessions, I can connect to someone's session, and we can race against each other. So let me ask you a question first before we go on to the the network side of it. Does anyone have... Two. Have you sold two to one customer work in their house? They've got two of them next to each other. We've talked about it, but no, no one's pulled the trigger in a second one yet. Because it's a lot, right? I mean, that's a lot of money to invest. And I've played it at shows and it's super fun when they're connected to each other. What's the game where the the blocks all come up and they go green or red? Yeah, you're talking about heads up. And, and to that point, uh, the networking features for LAN, local area network, are more for locations, arcades that have multiple games or might have multiple games, just like you would walk into a a Dave and Buster's or whatever and sit down at a racing game and play against your friends. That's where it makes more sense to have multiple P3s. 
Now, I know people are not really going out to Dave and Buster's and, and not to sort of sidetrack this a little bit, but are, are you guys, I know you were testing Dave and Buster's out as a possible location. Are you guys still in there right now? We're not in there. We went through the full testing trial. We got all the data. We, uh, they are, I don't know what their current process is actually, but they were in the middle of deciding what to buy for the next year. Okay. And arcades are mostly closed down and Dave and Buster's are, are probably, I don't think they're on the essential list yet as reopenings start to happen, but I, I think they might be in the next round. Entertainment places and bars are starting to figure this whole thing out. So, so let's talk about across the internet, all right? How does someone who has a P3 multimorphic this weekend play someone else? Like, what are the steps? Like, walk me through it if I have one. What do I do? Yeah. It's super easy. You, you'll download the latest update, stick it on your machine, and then it's going to act just like it normally does with CCR. You'll launch the application, you'll hit the start button. When you hit the start button, you get a little menu that says, do you want to play a career mode game, an arcade mode game, or an internet game? If you select internet game, it takes you to what we call a networking lobby, where it just lists the games that other people might be hosting, or you can select yourself to host a game. You get to select which racetrack you want to play over and how many laps you want to race and those kind of details. And then you simply wait for people to connect. And when they connect, it'll show you you've got two players waiting or three players waiting or whatever. And at any time, you can hit the, the launch button to kick off the game. It drops you right into a race and then you're playing CCR. Now, when you update the game, I, I, is it USB stick or is Wi-Fi update available? Yeah, it's kind of funny to talk about internet-connected gameplay and still using USB sticks. But yes, we're still using USB. We've uh, we've got a long roadmap, a lot of features that we're going to build into our networking subsystem, and updates will be there. But the, the focus for us was on, um, obviously, getting cool, exciting gameplay features and where people could enjoy more of the gaming experience. And now, since we're all isolated and playing pinball at homes, hopefully give them a way to experience the social aspects of pinball, but even during isolation. So talk to me about how the gameplay is different when you select an online game with someone else who has a P3 and a Cosmic Kart Racing. So what what's the is the game the same? Like how did you code that so that with everybody, right? So four guys are racing in the same race. Yeah, it's uh, so Cosmic Kart Racing now has the three different play modes. The, the thing we added a couple of months ago was called Career Mode, which is a a traditional three ball type of game with traditional rules and multi balls and modes and that kind of thing. Uh, we're not talking about that here. This is the arcade style of racing where you start a game. Uh, if you were in a, in a location or in your home before you would just hit start. And if there were players connected to you locally, they would join the game or you'd play against computers. Computers would be the other three cards. Um, Cosmic Kart Racing is a four-player game, so there's a track with four tracks, or a, a race with four tracks and four players. So the code is smart enough to know if you're connected to other machines, then use those other machines' as input to control the cart. And if you're not connected to other machines, then there's an algorithm that just controls the the AI, the computer cart. So as a as a player on your machine, fundamentally, you don't know if the guy controlling the other card is a computer or a real person until you connect to our system and it shows you their profile name and it, it it gives you some indications that they're real people. When you're playing, and I haven't played too much Cosmic Kart Racing, so when you're playing and you're racing someone else, it's not is it it's not your traditional three balls and you drain game, game over, is it? Do you get as many balls as you need just to finish the race and that's the point is to win the race? 
Yeah, that's exactly right. This is a racing game. It's not a three-ball pinball game. This is modeled after Mario Kart or something. And the, the big difference is you're using a physical pinball and flippers instead of a control pad with a directional pad and buttons. How long does each race last, roughly? Roughly a minute or two minutes. Okay. So it's it's you can get some... If you only have like 10 minutes to kill, you can have some quick fun and jump on and have a few races? Yeah, that's the whole point. You, just like, again, the Dave & Buster's example, you walk into Dave & Buster's, you sit down at a racer, you play a 90-second game, you see who wins, and then you move on to the next game. How long did it take to come up with this, and how long have you, have you been planning this implementation? Oh, gosh. The, so P3s have shipped from day one with Wi-Fi adapters in them because we intended all along to build in a whole suite of networking features. Um, Cosmic Kart Racing was the second game we conceived for the platform right after Lexi Lightspeed, and it again is built or it's conceived around the the kart racing idea, Mario Kart and those kind of games where you're racing against other players. Um, so we went traditional with Lexi and then we went very non-traditional with Cosmic Kart Racing. We, we kind of skewed very far away from the traditional uh, three ball pinball game. So we created this racing game. We fully intended all along to have it be networked, which is why the first implementation was this racing implementation where you're racing against uh, three other players. And that's why we developed this local area network-based connectivity. Uh, the internet capabilities have always been in the plans, but it's a ton of work to work through all of the ins and outs and the details of connecting to other machines, to making sure the connections are reliable, for making sure they can... Uh, they all register their game with a matchmaker and the matchmaker coordinates who connects to who and what do you do if 10 people want to play and they all try to join the same game and there's just a lot of details to work out. So we've been working on it for a long time, but uh, now we feel it's stable enough and, and tested well enough to go out to the masses. Talk to me about lag and Wi-Fi. Has that been an issue? Because when you think about connecting to other machines and pinball is a fast paced game and things are happening lightning quick in real time. Is there any concern of, of, of the Wi-Fi connection has to be at a, at, a, at a base level for the machines to work properly together? Well, there's machines working and talking together in their specific game implementations. If some random person came up with a game and said, hey, I want to connect these together, what data do I have to send back and forth to do it? Chances are it's not going to work very well. Uh, really, when you're designing network games, you have to design the network game. You have to figure out the minimum amount of data that you need to transfer back and forth. You need to conceive how the graphics on the screen might not completely represent where the other player is right now because you haven't gotten that piece of data that says they're two meters ahead of where they are now. Um, so there's a ton of work, ton of design work and a ton of planning that goes into how you build a network game. Uh, racing games are very common in the arcade world, so there's there's a pretty well-known kind of design cycle for those um, if you came up with a card game card game where you're playing spades or hearts or something it's much less dependent on latency because you can wait an extra three seconds for someone to flip their cards over right but in the in the racing game if you don't get the data pretty quickly you're not going to know where they are they're going to play a power up against you and they're going to see you blow up on their machine and you're not going to blow up on your machine um, so yeah there's some there's some considerations there but generally you try to design the structure of the game so that those are kind of minimized Okay. So how long? How long in development is this? Are we talking a year, six months, two years, 18 million years? How long have we been working on this baby? So CCR, Cosmic Heart Racing, was about a two-year development cycle. 
it ended about uh, six months ago for the base CCR stuff. We took about a year to develop the infrastructure for internet connectivity. This is outside of Cosmic Kart Racing, all of the multimorphic framework features and the, the networking traffic and all the basic stuff and structure. That took about a year, and then it took about three or four months to integrate those new features back into the game so we could attach to the internet processes instead of the local processes. So altogether, I mean, CCR has been about a three-year project, but um, adding internet capabilities, the interesting thing is it's taken about a year, but uh, the best part about it is since we're talking about the P3, which is a framework, and now we have all this infrastructure built, the next game I mean, we're going to we're going to integrate internet capabilities into Heads Up, the that game that you were talking about, where you play against the guy shoot the green blocks or the red blocks. That's that's going to take a week or two weeks or whatever. Yeah, I mean that that game. I've always said it. I've played it at shows. It's super addictive. I mean, anyone who's played it networked, where you're, it's it's a lot of fun. And so I, I that so that's going to come out soon. And and so we just saw the heist. I, I mean, I'm going to stop saying the heist. Heist. Um, <laughs> And we're going to talk about that in a little bit because I know we talked right when we were getting into this pandemic. So is internet connectivity something you could apply to that game as well? I mean, technically, yes. But the question is, does it make sense? We'll probably go through systems and try to figure out what we want to do with networking, but we're not going to force a feature on a game just because it's a cool box to check off. Um, there might be ways to put people in a cooperative mode or to do some kind of statistical tracking based on who can get to a mode faster or beat something quicker, but those aren't that interesting to me, at least right now. I'm more interested in developing games that are designed around battling people and and, and doing some specific goal over the network that that just makes sense. You know, it, it's it's... And I really do encourage people to play heads up when you get to a show and, and obviously cosmic kart racing because it's 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 a it's foreign to most pinball people, right, Jerry? I mean people are not used to I think the closest people got back in the day was the two NBA games you could connect to each other. I'm I'm not sure how many other games had network play like that. Yeah, I think there was one other one as well. But yeah, we've obviously done a lot of different things with the P three one. It looks a little bit it looks a little bit different. It feels a little bit different. Um, and then we've come out with games that play different. So people walk up to the P3s generally a little scared, regardless of what the game is. But when people put some time on it, when people, there was a, I tell this story all the time, the first TPF we took heads up to was, I think, 2017. And then there were a group of, um, I think they were all sisters or friends that played on the soccer team. They were probably 10 or 11 years old. They were with one of the fathers. And they got them heads up, and their kids. So they they didn't really have a strong understanding of what pinball was, but they understood networked gameplay and battling against people and, and hitting these very simple shots to complete tasks. And they sat on those machines for two hours, jumping up and down, giggling, screaming, being super competitive. It was a blast to watch. I remember playing with Brenda, and she really enjoyed it. I mean, it's it's simple, competitive fun. To your point of of you you never really get that player versus player and and that's why i love fighting games in the arcade world it's you're standing next to the person you're you're fighting or you're playing them online and and it's quick it's it's quick snackable fun that really pinball's not really known for that i mean there's it's either long deep games or brutal games that you experience mostly by yourself or you're just playing for score but you're not really battling when you thought of cosmic kart racing 
how does it work in the race when something I do in my machine, how does that impact what might happen in someone else's machine? Yeah, so you hit the launch button, it stages a ball on the ramp, and then it counts everyone down together, and it feeds the ball to the flipper. At that point, whatever you do, whatever shots you hit, either affect your progress in the game. If you hit one of the lit shots, one of the shots that are lit the same color as your track, then it accelerates you. Um, your cart goes faster. Your opponent will see you going faster. If you drain, then your cart spins out. It goes to zero speed. You stop moving, and your opponents will all see you spin out on their machines or uh, on their screens. Now, you can, at certain times during the race, there's a power-up shot that's lit. Um, in a traditional game like a Mario Kart, you'll be driving along, and you'll see a square box with a question mark in it. When you, when you drive over that, you collect a power-up. We have a similar concept where at certain points along the track, it'll light a, a captive ball shot on the physical play field. If you shoot that captive ball, then the game awards you a power-up. And that power-up could be an EMP, could be a blockade, it could be a speed boost, uh, or it could be a shield. If it's a shield that saves you from other attacks, and it also saves you from losing your speed when you drain... If you get something like a blockade, then if you hit the launch button, it plays it against the guy who's in the lead. So another opponent will have this blockade happen to him. And that blockade in Cosmic Car Racing is it raises two of the physical scoops on their playfield to block physical shots. Oh, that's cool. If, if he were to play a shield power-up, it would immediately lower him and let him proceed. Um, the EMP power-up will... Uh, zap them and spin them out, making them lose the speed. And a speed boost is obviously it just accelerates you. Um, so if you hit the launch button, you'll play it against the guy who's in the lead, or you can specifically aim the pinball at the left side targets to play it against the guy to your left, the right side targets to play it against the, the guy to your right, or the top stand-up targets will play it against the guy on the track opposite of you. Now. This is cool. Now, are, do you want to? You got to send these to the top streamers. Is that is that in your marketing <laughs> strategy, Jerry? Like, get Jack Danger to play one versus someone else in the streaming world versus maybe straight down the middle. Like, how 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 are you going to show people this? Yeah, certainly, streaming is a big part of our marketing plans going forward. Getting them to people is, of course, expensive and has a lot of demands on us. But yeah, that's the goal. Um, ultimately, we hope to get to the point where all these guys have P3s anyway because we'll have so many games coming out for them. But yeah, we have a short-term problem for sure that we need to solve. Well, the good news is you're not you're not spending any money traveling to pinball shows this year. And that so, is true. And you know how many people are spending money buying new luxury items? Is it Are sales up? Yeah. Sales, sales were great at the beginning of this, obviously, because of the release of Heist, which did a lot better than even we had predicted. But... I mean, everyone knows what's going on right now, and people aren't spending a lot of money. So we're 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 looking forward to things getting back to normal, so we can ramp up marketing again and and get the sales the sales train going. Right. So how has production been for you guys? I, I know a lot of places have had to shut down. What's it been like for P3 Multimorphic? So we didn't completely stop, though we did. Like most counties, uh, all counties in Texas, uh, we had to basically shut down our factory presence. Um, so we haven't been going into the shop until recently, but we were able to transition a lot of our playfield building from the factory to people's houses because the playfields are so small for the P3. They're about a two foot by two foot area. Uh, we were able to have some of our technicians actually doing assembly in their homes. 
So we've obviously been building them a lot slower, taking a lot longer than we otherwise would to ship them. But we have been progressing. We have a bit of a back order list still on Heist that we're working through. And in the next couple of weeks, we'll we'll have a few more people in the factory with uh, strict isolation measures in place. But they'll be they'll be building machines a little, hopefully a little more faster. How do you think uh, pinball is going to come out of this? I know there's no one really knows for sure, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, everyone says the world's changing. We're all going online and we're all learning the, the, the value of video conferencing and working from home and all that. But I suspect mostly it'll just be back to normal. Um, and it's going to take a little while and we're going to see if we're jumping back into things too early and, what fallout there is from people potentially uh, stopping isolation and getting sick again. We'll see. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But I, I mean, any company that that survives this in the pinball world, I think, I think they'll pretty much be back to normal operating procedure. Um, the question is, how many of the companies have enough cash to survive? Yeah, and also the customer base is going to shrink up. For the short term, as operators and location play might be the last to return to normal. That's a good point. I, I agree with that. The consumers who are the bread and butter of our, our customer base are probably more likely to, to buy games in the short term than locations. And I, I think I heard the same thing you did, that locations, arcade-type locations, are, are in the last phase of reopening in most states. And, and not only that, I think they're going to be the last place people are going to visit. I mean, if you're trying to slowly get back to life as you knew it, and you're making a decision of where do I want to apply my time and where do I feel safe and playing a pinball machine in a bar in which strangers are playing it, I don't care how much you wipe it down. I just don't think that behavior is going to return nearly to the level it was before. And the precautions people need to take wearing a mask and doing this, it, I don't know if it's going to be worth the hassle, but but playing in your house where it's completely safe for the most part, I think you're going to see home ownership, which will benefit you, Jerry, because I'm assuming most P3 Multimorphics sold to date are to the home user. The large majority of them, yes. We, we do have good packages for locations, but yeah, most people see the value of it more from a consumer perspective where you buy that one machine and you can build up a game library. Okay. And I agree with you generally speaking but at the same time you go out or you look around or you watch the news and no matter where you're looking people are ignoring suggestions to isolate and wear masks and all that so i suspect there will be a large percentage of the population that it's like woohoo we're open back up let's go out yeah and i think it's gonna have negative impact on on what we're trying to do but we'll see what happens i mean it's everyone's got an opinion jerry let me ask about the fact that this is built into the P3 multimorphic system, which runs on PROC, correct? Yes. So it. now that you've developed this, is this applicable to other manufacturers that use the PROC system to start to think about implementing online play? So the answer is generally yes, but not for the reasons you think. Um, we've developed a software system that runs on top of our hardware, the, the PROC system, but the software system doesn't necessarily care that you're running PROC or any other hardware. It just cares that you're running a computer that can process these applications or these, these specific networking libraries. So we've developed a framework that certainly other P3 game developers can have because they're building games directly on top of our framework. But we've also written these things in such a way that it's very easy, or it would be very easy for 
any other manufacturer to write games to interface to it, to leverage our servers, to leverage our networking infrastructure. So if they want to reinvent the wheel and do everything themselves, they can, or we can all work together and build up a, a cohesive and well-defined networking solution for, for everybody, really. Okay, so that that's a huge thing right there, because I want to unwrap this, because basically what you guys have been working on could help Stern, it could help Jersey Jack Pinball, it could help Chicago Gaming Company think about bringing their games online. Is, is that correct, the way the software works? Yes, that is correct. Now, let's... Let's fireside talk candidly, Jerry. Like, is this maybe one of the end games for for you is to build the engine that these companies could tap into from a you know from a software standpoint, right? I know you've been so focused on software and hardware with with the platform. How driven are you to get other manufacturers to maybe think about the software you've just created to bring those titles online? So I don't think of it in terms of software and hardware. I more think of it relative to features. Uh, okay. We have we have a set of features. Some of them are hardware features. Some of them are software features. And all of them together, along with our intellectual property, the patents and stuff we've we've had approved for the things we've done on the P3. All these things are features that could help other manufacturers. Um, certainly, we're always looking for ways to bring in revenue. And if it makes more sense to help another manufacturer along their product development cycle, and that brings us more revenue and it helps them, then, then it's a win-win. Um, obviously, we're not going to give away the stuff for free. We're not going to help people compete with us if that hurts us, but we're always looking for win-win scenarios. I'm, I'm a big fan of if we can help you make money and it makes us money, then we're doing something good. If what we're doing is going to screw us or screw you, then we shouldn't do it together. Now, the next question I have, that being said, the door is open for you to talk to other manufacturers. Are you proactively knocking on their doors and showcasing this technology and proprietary stuff to them? Yes and no. Of course, we commonly talk to most of the manufacturers about technology and about developments, but there's also, this industry is known for um, let's just say not the friendliest IP relationships in the world where a lot of companies in the past have kind of made themselves based on theft of IP from other companies. So there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, interesting parts of these conversations, but yeah, we've talked to most of the manufacturers, but you're going to drop a bomb like that. You, you know, Canada's going to want to ask you like, can you share any examples in which IP has been stolen? We, I, I'll give you one that I, I saw being debated on the forums was when Mike from HomePin seemingly stole Ben Heck's design. Uh, anything else that that you're comfortable I mean, saying? I, yeah, no, it's more the the history of pinball is is full of examples. But I mean, the biggest one that that I see often is just like the Data East circuit boards are the exact same thing as the William system 11. Okay. So Stern Stern, when they were data East jacked the, the Williams boards. I don't know who did who someone did it, <laughs> but yeah, those boards are basically the same. There's an interface board. Someone developed to interface to a P rock, a P rock to a system 11 game. And it works and it works for data East games as well. Cause it's the exact same board. So yeah, th there's a lot of examples. Um, there's also a lot of, uh, how should I say, a not invented here syndrome in this industry. 
Um, I've talked to a lot of people over the years. We could have helped a lot of manufacturers get up going a lot quicker for a lot cheaper and be a lot more successful if they had allowed us to help them get started by using the PROC or by using some of our software frameworks or, or those kind of things. But there are a lot of people in this industry who uh, for, so sometimes it's a good reason that you want to own all your IP in-house. And other times it's simply that I think I can do something better than you. Therefore, I'm going to prove it. And oops, I just took five years to do it. But now I have it. Right. All right. Well, so the other company in Texas is Deep Root, and have have you ever talked to them? I mean, you guys are both in the same state. You've they're they're seem, seemingly taking a very long time to get anything off the ground. Uh, I don't know too much of what's going on there. Robert and I had uh, a bunch of discussions a couple years ago, but for the last couple of years, they've they've pretty well separated from those kind of discussions. Okay. Now, Joe, you're a smart guy. You're an engineer. You work on board sets. You work on software. I'm always contemplating on this show whether or not the quality goes into the engineering of these games. In terms of the other manufacturers out there, whose who's engineering are you most impressed by? If you were to say, like, well, they, they're, they're pushing it. They're, they're innovating. If it wasn't P3 Multimorphic, who else do you think is, like, has raised the game in pinball? A uh, loaded question that I'm not going to answer directly, but generally speaking, and I know I've, I read pin, Facebook posts and Pinside posts all the time where people are talking about innovation and what games are innovative and who's been innovating. I say the same thing at all of my seminars, and I ask people point blank, name me an innovation in the last 20 or 30 years in pinball. And the answer is always LEDs. LEDs. Displays. We have high-def displays now. We had LEDs. Now we do RGB LEDs. And that's always the answer. And I push and I push and I push. I ask again and again. And no one can ever name me what I think is a real innovation. So the answer is unfortunately, or fortunately for us, is I think no one's really innovating. Um, On the flip side, they're all coming out with really great content. And obviously they're... They're playing to licensed themes and doing all those things that interest the consumers a lot more than just technology does. So there's really no motivation for a company like Stern to innovate if people are buying their games. Well, I would say that if you were to look at the pinball landscape, let's say over the last 10 years, the number one innovation, maybe other than lights, would most likely be the LCD screen. Okay. Like the... Do you, do you consider that an innovation, what Jersey Jack brought to pinball with that screen? I don't, because to me, uh, an LCD is just more dots than a DMD. It's the exact same thing. The same thing? I mean, but then you're just it's arguing that. It's the exact same thing. An it image is an image is an image. Yeah, sure. It gives you a little more information. It, it can improve the experience for you, sure, because it can give you movie clips or more, more detailed animations or whatever. It can give you more fonts and more scores and more stuff. But yeah, it's just more information. The, the transition between an alphanumeric display to a DMD did the same thing. It gave you more information. Was that an innovation? I don't know. Through that lens, couldn't you could possibly argue that a screen as a play field is simply just more information on the play field. You could until you add interactivity to that play field where the ball physically rolls over a, a, a graphic and the graphic blows up because the system detected the ball there. So yeah, I wouldn't say that having a play field display is necessarily an innovation. I would say that having an interactive one is how much do you think pinball needs to innovate, right? So you you and we've talked about this before, right? Because obviously 
P3 Multimorphic is on a mission to, to innovate and experiment with new ways to enjoy this hobby. Stern Pinball, Jersey Jack, for the most part, every other pinball company out there, Jerry's pretty much been doing it the way it's been done in the past, right? And to varying degrees of sales success. And, and so do you think that this internet connectivity, we've got Heist, which is push the envelope, and I think the, the best possible way for, for your platform, are, are you, how are you going to get customers on board? You've got a lot of differentiators now. Are, are you hopeful now yeah. that this is the, this is the platform and it's only going to get better from here and the stuff now is, is worth jumping into? This is the one, this is the feature. I mean, that's always the hope, right? All, all I can do is continue to add value to owning a P3. And as long as people compare the newest game or any game to their favorite other game, then to me they're comparing apples and oranges, but we lose that comparison because they have their favorite theme from somebody else that has an emotional attachment and they'd rather play that than some original new theme from a new manufacturer with new hardware that costs $10,000. Right. But when they start to realize that $10,000 machine it can have multiple games or does have multiple games. It has multiple features. It has internet connectivity. It has this ball tracking. It has these scoops. It has all these features that you can't do on traditional games. And you can add more content to it for $1,000 or $300 or the new heist for $2,700. Um, it's, it's more value that you can attach to that game. At some point, it becomes an absolute no-brainer. Um, clearly, we're not at that point yet because people are still choosing other games before the P3, but that that will change. Do you ever get frustrated and, and when you see just the same formula, the rinse and repeat, license theme, pro premium LE, on to the next, incomplete software, wait for two years before the game is done. How, how, how does that make you, you know, does it keep you up at night watching the same cycle, just inundate <laughs> the hobby? This is like, I'm on your couch today. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. of course it frustrates me, but um, I can't fault people for wanting what they want. If there are customers that just want the next best theme and there are some that want the, the pro version of it because they want to spend five or $6,000 or some that want all the bells and whistles for eleven or twelve or $15,000, then I, I can't fault people for wanting what they want. Uh, my goal, and you and I have talked about this before, I, I, I don't develop things because I think they're what other people want. I develop things that excite me, and I'm building games that excite me. And I've learned along the way that there are a lot of people that like what I like, and there are a lot of people that don't like what I like. So hopefully, as we continue to add features and game content and new ideas to this thing, more of those people that don't like what I like will start to see more value in the P3 and, and, and come over. But yeah, of course, it's it's frustrating that we haven't uh, I mean, I obviously feel like the P3 has a ton to offer people, and my marketing spiels, my yeah. my uh, seminars, explain all the reasons I think it makes more sense to buy a P3 than a traditional game, with the big exception of of the theme. Obviously, one of the hurdles is price, and and 10K is a lot, but the whole market's gone upstream with pricing, and 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 no longer seems like. In an insane amount of money anymore. I mean, where this is like pretty much you can option out a, a Rick and Morty for around ten thousand dollars now. So we're not talking like, 
you know, the, this like supernal realm of pricing anymore. But to get a customer base up, Jerry, have you guys explored ever trying to move the price down, even if it's for a little bit of a loss to get into market more? And can that happen or is it just not financially feasible? Yeah, that's a tough financial challenge. When you're comparing to video game consoles, you're usually talking about a company like Microsoft or Sony who has billions of dollars backing them and they can afford to take a, a gamble for a couple of years selling something at a loss in the hopes that they'll develop a user base and, and make all that money back by selling the, the higher profit margin games. Um, we're a bootstrapped company still. We're, we're, we found it in 2012, so we're about eight years into this thing. And we've spent less in total um, R&D. Uh, I've probably signed fewer checks than most companies sign to develop a single game. So we've built this company on the backs of people's, you know, their their passions and their desire to help and their desire to see this cool machine come to fruition. And so we don't have the budget to be able to afford to buy parts if we were selling them at a loss. And what we do have is people who are willing to help us for a lot less than they'd be making at a at another company. And usually that's because they have day jobs and they're helping us in nights and weekends. So they're willing to work for basically free. I'm basically still working for free. We have a small payroll and then we have, then we're able to, you know, buy parts with the revenue that we make on the previous set of parts. So no, we couldn't afford to, you know, build 200 P3s and sell them at a $2,000 loss a piece, hoping to get them out there. And then we recover that money later. The only way to do that is to have backing, to have investors backing us. It must feel good to be a part of pinball history. I mean, you've, you've, you've developed something that I'm shocked that we don't have more internet connected games by now. Are, are you shocked? I mean, I, I'm always like, I don't understand why people don't un- see the potential in this. No, no, no. I'm not shocked at all. I, I think you're right. The potential you see in it is, is cool. It's going to be super fun. Um, it is not going to make a another company a lot more money than what they're making today. But you know what it does do? And here's the thing, this is why I think pinball, as as all of these people harp about, we need to make pinball more attractive to the next generation. We need to get kids into pinball. I'll tell you right now, 99% of the pinball games I play at a show are not for kids. Kids won't find them fun. They're overly complex. They're confusing. When I play Heads Up, every kid can jump on that and have fun. And and I've always said that to you, Jerry. I mean, I really feel like P3 is probably the only system that is approachable for a younger audience. And Yeah, it's actually amazing how kids walk up to it and they seem to understand what to do, even though it is pinball that they're not familiar yeah. with. I don't, I don't they, quite understand the dynamic there. but Kids love Stranger Things. They could walk up to a Stranger Things game and they ain't going to know what to do. And, and so the other thing that kids are used to is internet play. See, I think you're right, though. I don't think Stern cares. I think Stern's got their target audience as 40 to 60-year-old men who like these themes and understand the principles of the game and just keep going down that road. So, But if you have younger people and you have a family and you want to make something that everyone can jump on, I I think the games that you have in the arsenal, Jerry, are, are, are probably the most approachable in pinball. And I I mean that. Thank you for that. They're also the most diverse. So we hope to be giving that pinhead father or or pinball owner the the experience that they want with Heist or Lexi Lightspeed. And then games like Cannon Lagoon and Heads Up and um, all these other games are are more breadth and more variety that that they can 
get their kids playing and their spouses playing and their friends playing and all those things. So as a as a as a product, the P3 seems to make a lot more value sense. But if somebody just wants a particular theme, then we're never going to win that battle. Well, it's good to have variety. And ladies and gentlemen, um, we want to congratulate Jerry on being the first to bring this to market. And it's real internet play. This isn't just like a leaderboard. I know some games have done that, but this is you're playing against someone in real time. So, Jerry, congratulations on bringing this to pinball. Thanks, Chris. Always a pleasure. All right, Jerry. Have a good night. Take care. Oh, wow, wow.